Yes, good morning. It is good to be with you, and it's good to be back from vacation in some ways, and yet other ways, like you probably know, vacation is wonderful, and sometimes you don't want to come back. But it is good to be with you and to see your faces and the encouragement that that brings. Our family did have a good time, and my oldest son, who lives in Georgia, was able to uh, join us as well, and we went to some national parks um, in Utah and had a, a fantastic time. Um, thank you for choosing to worship with us today, whether you're here in person or on the live stream. I know sometimes that's a risky thing, and you're coming looking for a place in a church, and like, what's that going to be like? So thank you for doing that. We are glad that you have chosen to worship with us. One of the, uh, the series that we are in right now in terms of our sermon topic is a series called One Another, The Movement of Biblical Community. And um, the fact is this, life will bring you hard times. Part of what life does. It'll deal, deal you a hand on occasions that you didn't want to get dealt. You don't want to have to play those cards. And you're like, what can I do? What hope do I have? Where do I go? Everyone faces it, and it often feels discouraging. And there is all kinds of encouragement that you can seek. I mean, if you were just to type into Google encouragement, you would get a whole series of blogs and different videos and YouTube things and I don't know I mean there was a TED are TED talks still a thing I mean there was a TED talks thing for a while like those were informative and often encouraging in different ways right Um, and the, the thing is this that everyone needs encouragement everyone needs the movement of biblical community to encourage one another remember we have said that as we go through the series, it's kind of like a diamond, and Christ is the diamond, that sparkling jewel, and light refracts off of it. And as it does, we're looking at twisting that diamond to see the different ways of that light refracting, whether that be love one another or today, encourage one another. And so I want to read to you just two verses today from the book of Hebrews that talk about encouraging one another. There are many more through the New Testament that could be read, but for the sake of time and focus... We're going to read these two. This is the Word of God from Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13. But exhort, and that word there is the word that can also be translated encourage. So, but exhort or encourage one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. And then later in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you will make our hearts soft, that you will make our eyes open to see the truth in your word. Because your word says the grass withers and the flowers fade, but your word is forever. So, Spirit of the living God, will you make our hearts ready today to receive what is forever? Pray this in your name. Amen. So, the word encourage, there's a few different words that can be used and translated that way, but the word most often used that way in the word in these verses is a word that uh, comes from the word parakaleo. It means to call out or to call alongside, to comfort, to inspire, to action of, uh, and belief and action, um, and to give courage in that way, right? And so that's the encouraging idea. And there's really just two things in these verses with the time that we have today that I want to focus on. The first one is this. 
one of the things that we need to do in encouraging one another is to encourage one another to move away from, to be aware of and move away from the deceitfulness of sin that brings hardness of heart. Okay? To move away from being hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. That was in verse 13 that we just read. And so, while it's true, and while it is good that we can encourage one another to avoid all sin, it's certainly a good goal and a good aim, the reality is, this side of heaven, we will always struggle with sin. It is impossible for us to avoid all sin and to live a sinless life this side of heaven. The presence of sin is still real. It's still a battle. It's ongoing. It's why we're told to resist it and resist the temptation. So that battle's real. But what, what the preacher to the Hebrews is keying in on for us, what he is telling us that is critically important, is to be careful, to be aware of not becoming hardened by sin. To be aware of the deceitfulness, the lure and the power of sin. You know, a costume party is, is a great thing, right? You get to dress up and everything, and you go to your costume party or Halloween or whatever it's going to be, right? And you go in your clever disguise, right? And the disguise is to cover, it's to hide, it's to conceal, to blind, to trick. Paul Tripp writes about these verses here in Hebrews and this deceitfulness and compares it to a costume party. Listen to his words. He says, in order for sin to do its evil work, it must present itself as something that is anything but evil. Life in a fallen world is like attending the ultimate masquerade party. An impatient moment of yelling, where's the costume of zeal for truth? Lust masquerades as a love for beauty. Gossip lives in the costume of concern and prayer. Craving for power and control wears the mask of biblical leadership. Fear of man gets dressed up as being a peacemaker or having a servant heart. Pride in always being right masquerades as a love for biblical wisdom. You'll never understand sin's sleight of hand until you acknowledge that a significant part of the DNA of sin is deception, he writes. And why is this so critical to understand? Because he writes, you can't grieve what you don't see and you can't confess what you haven't grieved, and you can't repent of what you haven't confessed. Right? And what he's saying is, what the preacher to the Hebrews is saying, what Paul Tripp is commenting on is saying, look, sin is deceitful. And we like to wear a costume, to masquerade. We like to pretend that we're fully aware of ourselves, but the truth is, we often aren't. We have blinders on. And so how do we become, how do we avoid becoming hardened by sin. We need encouragement. We really do need encouragement. We need encouragement daily. That's what it says, right? It says that we we need this encouragement daily. It says, but encourage one another daily as long as it's called today. Why that? Because each new day brings its challenges, right? Each new day brings its challenges and its temptations. And conversely, it also brings what? New beginnings. So when you've had a bad day and when you've blown it and you've lost it with your spouse, yelling at them, demeaning them, when you failed as a parent 
and chastised your kids in a way that you shouldn't have. When you've said that lust is simply looking at beauty or that power was simply biblical leadership or whatever it is you're making excuses for. When you've had that bad day, you need to be encouraged daily because you know what? It's a new day. It's a new day. And Christ forgives sin. And it's a new day to say, okay, but I'm not going to become hardened by that. I'm not going to allow that to continue to have power to deceive me and pull me into a trap and, and be a masquerading ball to say this is okay to act in this way. And so we encourage daily, not, be, not in order to crush, but in order to comfort and to point the way forward. And whenever you are encouraging daily, there's a key truth you have to remember. If you are going to encourage and say, yes, okay, beware of sin, beware of this that I see in you, there's a key truth you have to remember. And what is that truth? It's that there are two sinners in the room. The one you're talking to and yourself. Right? Because what he says is that this encouragement is not only to be daily, but it's also to be mutual. It's one another. Encourage one another. It's a two-way street. It goes back and forth. And so in this way, we have to be aware of that. Look, isolation breeds deception. It breeds hardness of heart. If you close yourself off and think, no, I got it all figured out, and you don't want input from others, if you're not reading God's word, if you're not willing to hear the voice of others speaking into your life, you couldn't be blinding yourself. We should welcome the encouragement of calling out and coming alongside because what it does is it turns us back to Jesus. But the reality is we often don't want that, right? And we don't want that for different reasons. Sometimes it's because we are so prone to just defend our identity and our identity has become wrapped up in what the way we're used to acting and we don't know how to act differently. Sometimes we don't want to be encouraged or called out or called alongside because the truth is we just really love the sin and we don't want to let it go. But that's precisely when you are in danger, as the writer to the Hebrews is saying, of becoming hardened. When you see it and you're like, I don't care, to be careless is to become hardened, to become calloused of heart. And that's what he's saying, beware, be careful of that. Be soft in heart, be sensitive to sin, have your eyes open to your blind spots. Jesus can open blind eyes, and that is good news to you and to me today. That Jesus, the friend of sinners, says to sinners, I can open your eyes. And whenever a sinner's eyes are open so that they accurately assess his or her sin, the angels in heaven rejoice. Whether it's from another or from ourselves, we can sing, I once was blind, but now I see. Right? Because when we see, we're being made aware of our sin and turning from it and turning to the cross and saying, yes, Jesus. Another important thing to remember, if you are going to be one who is going to encourage one another in the way of telling one another and encouraging one another to be careful of, to be aware of sin, 
it's really important that you understand how to use the Bible in doing so. What do I mean by that? I think a lot of times we try to weaponize the Bible. We try to use it like a hammer, right? You got a problem? Got a hammer, it'll fix anything, right? So you take the Bible and you make it a hammer and you're like, do it! And then you're frustrated when it doesn't work and you're like, try harder! And we use the Bible like a hammer to beat people into submission. To accuse people of what they're doing wrong. And the Bible could certainly do that. It points out how we are wrong. But that is not redemptive unless the Bible becomes a mirror. That you look into and see yourself and go, oh, wait, here's who I am. Here's where the blinders need to come off. And... I see the beauty of Jesus who comes to me and welcomes me with open arms and tells me I am his child. That's the power to break a hard heart. It's the power to open the blind eyes. When we use the Bible not as a weapon, not as a hammer, but as a mirror to say, look at the beauty of Jesus. Look at the way of his life. Don't give up. You can keep going. You can walk alongside me and do this. Let's do this together. That's the way to encourage. Because the goal of confrontation is not punishment and intimidation. It's revelation to say, here's Jesus. He's the one who's for you, not against you, as we sang. Don't give up. Help is on the way. Believe in God's promises. And so in one aspect, that's what we're saying, right? To encourage one another to walk away from the deceitfulness of sin that produces hardness of heart. But there's also a very positive side to encouragement, right, that we read in the other verse. And that, that's the second thing I want to talk to you about is to encourage one another toward love and good deeds, to doing what is good and right and true and beautiful and noble, And it says in those verses, in verse 24 and 25, it says to stir one another on. To stir on. Um, And it it even says in the NIV to spur on. And so you might think of like a spur like for a horse. And I don't know if that's quite what it's saying. But that word to stir on means to provoke. It means to incite. You may be thinking, whoa. Like incite a riot? Like mob violence? Well, that's not what we're supposed to do, but to incite is to do something like that, right? And so what it's saying, this encouraging one another, stir one another on, is to incite people to do what is good and loving, a call to courageous belief, to courageous action. To trust Jesus, to walk alongside him and in his footsteps. Last week on our vacation, got to tell you a story about it because it was fantastic. We got to hike Angel's Landing in Zion National Park. It is not for the faint of heart. Um, and uh, Angel's Landing is um, a 1,488-foot sheer rock face that rises from the floor, the valley floor of Zion. And to walk out to the very end of it, you have to walk on some pathways that are about as wide as the top of this pulpit and have chains on them and then fall 1,500 feet to the side. 
So it's not like that forever, but there's a few narrow ways like that, so it's very risky. Your heart beats loudly in your chest. Your hands become sweaty because it's a matter of life and death. And there's a sense of urgency, not speediness, but urgency to be attuned to what you need to be attuned to. Where is my next step going? Where is my hand going? What am I going to hold on to in order to get there? And you pay attention to those in front of you. Where are they leading? Where's their step? Where are they putting their hands? How are they getting there? And if there's somebody who's in a particular moment frozen by fear, there's voices to encourage, to cheer them on. Keep going. Just one step. Put your foot here. Take the next step. Go here. Go there. You got this. Come on. You can do this. You're doing great. Right? And this is what this encouragement is here in verses Uh, 24 and 25 of chapter 10, one of the ways that we see we're to encourage is with urgency because it talks about the day that is approaching. What day is that? To, To spur one another on towards love and good deeds and all the more as you see the day approaching. What day is that? It's the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord's return. It's a matter of life and death. It's a matter of saying, are you ready for the day the Lord returns? If so, make sure you are trusting in Him, listening to His voice, walking in His ways, following in His footsteps. Don't think of it as something inconvenient or moderately important, but as life and death important. Because that's what Jesus is saying. For those who are His, there's eternal life. The other thing that it tells us to do, which should be no surprise to us, is that we are to mutually encourage each other once again. How? By meeting together, right? And don't give up meeting together as some have become in the habit of doing. Again, the emphasis on mutual encouragement. We need to be present together. I mean, I am so grateful that we're at this point now where so many of you are able to come back uh, to our service and be present here bodily together. You know, you know what heaven's going to be like? In heaven, there won't be masks, okay? And it will be in body, right? Our, the scriptures teach us that when we are in heaven, it's not floating on clouds with spirits and angels. It's embodied presence, new bodies together. And our togetherness, our worship together, our mutual encouragement together is to be embodied like it would be in heaven. It's important to be here in person. And so I'm really glad that many of you are able to make it back. And maybe some of you still watching on live stream can't with extremely high health risks, and and we understand that. But what I want you to see is that you also need to be around other people, around other Christians specifically, to encourage you. Because let me tell you what, there's a big difference being here and seeing the smile on someone's face than there is seeing the smile on the Amazon logo that gets delivered to your door. It's not the same thing, okay? And to live isolated all the time and just have Amazon deliveries and not see other people's faces is not the same thing. To see somebody smile can be a moment of encouragement to say, yes, okay, I can smile too. 
right? Coming together is more like a, it's not a chore. It's more like a family reunion. It's more like seeing an old friend and saying, yes, here we are together again, following Christ together. And Paul writes in the book of Romans, there's uh, in, very, in the very first chapter as he's introducing everything, he encourages, he says, I can't wait to meet you, to come see you, that we might mutually encourage one another with our gifts. That's beautiful. But right before that, he says this in verse 8, and I think we have that we can put on the screen. Did I put that one on there, Romans 1.8? It says this, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. Your faith is proclaimed in all the world. His words to me were kind of shocking, but in a good way. It was a couple of years ago at an event in Richmond that many different Christian leaders were present at. And this man um, whom I was introduced to um, spoke to me. And I was introduced as the pastor of Spring Run Presbyterian Church. And he said, oh, yes. This is the first time I've met this man. He said, oh, yes, thank you. I always seem to hear good things about your church and the way that you are involved in the community. What he was saying was what Paul said in Romans 1.8. Your faith is being reported all across Richmond. And maybe I shouldn't have been shocked. But it was a good shock. And I rejoiced in it. People of, of Spring Run, I want to encourage you to say, like, keep on, keep going. Let your faith be reported all over Richmond and all over the world. Keep it up. Good works that you might be inspired to serve to might be involved with a couple of the programs that we're involved with in our city. One is the Real Life program that Dr. Sarah Scarborough runs. And Real Life is always looking for help for volunteers in many ways. We help particularly in one way with a kind of a modified Jobs for Life class and mentoring and doing Bible studies there, but there's many ways you could help. There's also the STEP program, Strategies to Elevate People and And, of course, we've had them here, and we've been there, and they have a victory reading program and many other ways you could be involved as well. Consider being involved in one of those things, if that's one of your gifts, to be able to do so. One member has uh, begun appropriately messaging coworkers to encourage them in their jobs. And it creates a—it begins to create a movement, a little culture, a little cultural shift of people being, oh, It's good to encourage one another. And they're thankful for it. It's a way to bring encouragement. Others have frequent get-togethers for their neighborhood as a way just to be friendly and hospitable and encourage one another. Some of you invite people over to your houses and encourage one another. I want to encourage you today to use your time and your talents, maybe in some of those ways, but also to serve your church here. One of the challenges that we have as a church right now is to restart everything like everybody else is doing and to provide all those services that you want and love and these kids' ministries and things like that. One of the challenges we have in doing that is we need you to do it. You have to volunteer. You have to say, okay, I care about this and I 
will serve in this way. Because if you don't do it, we can't do them. I mean, that's just plain and simple. So we need you. We need you to help. In fact, just right now, take a look down your row. Skip past your family. No, don't skip past your family. Look at your family. Look to your right if it's family or a friend. Look at them. Look to your left if it's family or friend. Look at them. Now look past them to people beyond them. Who do you see, right? Who do you see down there? They need you. They need you. They need you to greet at the door and say, welcome, I'm so glad to see your smiling face today. They need you in the nursery to say, please, hold my kid for a little while so I can go worship Jesus. They need you to teach in the back so that their kids learn the truths of the Bible and the Gospel. I mean, could you imagine one day getting to heaven and seeing little Johnny come up to you and say, thank you for being my teacher. You taught me about Jesus. I'm here because of you. Our audiovisual team, right? We need people who are willing to be trained in what is not an easy job to do, keeping up with the slides and tuning sound to be right, balancing all the team here and through the live stream. But it's doable. And we have people who are very good at it, can train you on it. Right? There's, there's other things. I mean, maybe we should just put all those slides back up during the announcements that you guys might have paid attention to or maybe didn't that Jake was talking about. There's a lot of things that we want to do and we should do and we can do, but we need you. The other thing I would want to encourage you to do is to give generously and, to sacri- and give sacrificially. If you have not yet begun giving to this church but have been coming or watching on live stream even, I want to encourage you to give. Or maybe you paused your giving during COVID. Maybe you've had a job loss or whatever or, or just tough times. We understand that too. But maybe restart your giving as we restart things. Because your giving is what enables to, us to do this ministry. We don't, there's no other way we get funds other than you saying, we believe that what is happening here is important and needs to continue. And we'll give generously toward it. It helps us to restart and to expand our ministries. So I'm trying to encourage you say, yes, please do this. Please, with love and in good works. Serve your church. Serve your community. Love your neighbors. Encourage your family. You know, one of the things they say is that, especially true as parents, but it's probably true for anybody and friends and everything else, every time you have to say no, say yes twice. Because people carry burdens heavily. And we need twice as much encouragement as we do being discouraged by ways we didn't do well or we failed. So maybe parents, you're going to have to correct your kids. Make sure you find ways to encourage them too and tell them how proud you are of what they're doing. Spouses, you have disagreements, make sure you find ways to say, you know what? I am not against you. I am for you. I am on your team and encourage one another. Encourage your coworkers. Now, all that I've said to you, most all of what I've said to you, is good, and it's true, 
but not unique to Christianity. Meaning, a a Muslim could say many of the same things. They respect Jesus as a prophet, but certainly don't see him as the son of God. And they could say, yes, encouragement is important. And yes, you should avoid bad and evil things. And yes, you should do good things and be loving and kind. What makes this uniquely Christian? Well, it's the one we follow, of course, right? Christ saying, okay, it is because of Christ and for Christ that we are to encourage one another, right? But it goes a step further. Jesus forgives you when you fail so that that daily encouragement means you're not crushed by it, but you're comforted. You're picked up to say, go on. Because your Jesus, your God, knows what it means to be in your shoes. Remember what we read earlier in our confession and assurance? The high priest who's been tempted in every way like us, yet is without sin. He came to be present, to come alongside the same language as to encourage. He's the one who came in body, in person, to encourage you to say, I have got your back. I will cover all of your sins. Now follow me. He's the one who put his life on the line for you. And more than that, you may say, yeah, but where is he now? When he left, he said, I am leaving you one to be with you. The one I am leaving for you is the paraclete. Coming from the same Greek word of parakaleo, the encourager, the comforter. I am leaving you the spirit to be your comforter. To be present with you daily to encourage you. That's unique. What you have in Christianity is not simply don't do bad things and do good things. You actually have the one who covers all your mistakes and empowers you to do what is right. You have the Spirit of the living God present with you. Listen to His voice. Read the Word of God. Follow His ways. Because that is something unique, my friend. My Christian brother and sister, you have the Spirit of God dwelling within you. Listen to the Spirit. Walk in the footsteps of Jesus. And grab someone. Call them alongside you and encourage them along the way. Let's pray. Jesus, I pray that you will help us to be people who are encouragers of one another because you are our encourager. You are the one who came alongside us, entered this world to be present here, the one who has sent your Spirit to live within us. So, Lord, please remove our blinders. Help us not to be blinded by sin, but to have eyes that are open to see you, to see your love, and then empower us to walk in your ways and in your footsteps, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.